Today on Hardwired. The reason I'm sharing messages like this is so that when you hear the news or read the news or see what's happening in our world, you don't panic, you don't get upset, you don't get depressed because God has everything under control and the Lord Jesus told us what to look for and that lets me know he's got it. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's program, you can always listen to it at our website, hardwired.org. You may have been listening to the program for a while or possibly just tuned in. Well, I want you to know that we do this for you. With a world that is searching and coming up empty, it's nice to know you can land on this message of hope and truth, something we all need to hear. So let's jump right in with today's program. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up in today's edition of Hardwired. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, Jesus himself gave the longest prophecy about the days before his return of anybody in the Bible. Jesus talked about the last days in great detail. And today we're gonna to look at one of his predictions as we study the signs of the last days. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, what were the days of Lot like? Well, most of us know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, but the Bible in the book of Genesis gives us great detail. So we're gonna look at what Genesis has to say about the days of Lot and compare them to our day and see if maybe we are really there. How near the coming of Jesus must be as we see that we very much resemble the days of Lot. Let's jump right in, grab your Bible. I believe this is going to bless you. Let's go. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 17. We've been talking about the last days. Question, how many of you think Jesus is coming soon? All right. Well, then I'm preaching to the choir, but the choir knows a whole lot of people that aren't part of the choir. So we need to understand the times and be able to witness of him. Now, you remember that Jesus was asked of his disciples three questions when he pointed to the temple and said, there's not gonna be one stone left upon another. And that just blew them away. And so they said, Lord, when will these things be? And what will be the signs of your return and of the end of the age? Now, Jesus didn't refute that question. He didn't say, what are you talking about? Returning. He answered the question, affirming he's coming back. So he gave some general signs I'm going to show you in a minute. But he, about halfway through his prophetic discourse, he mentions two men. Now, let's read about these two men. Luke 16, verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah... So it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, now that's Noah, now we come to Lot. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Everybody say, that's a sober word, right? So you know what Jesus did? He affirmed 
that he's returning. He affirmed the historicity of Noah and he affirmed the historicity, that is the reality of Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed by fire from heaven. So Jesus then said, even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. This is really a somber word, but it's a good word in the end. And should we not be ministering on what Jesus said? You know? And Jesus said these things. He was asked, what are gonna be the signs of your return? He said, here's what you look for. I'm gonna give you a sign. Now, a sign points to something. You don't pitch tent at a sign. You don't build your house at a sign. You let a sign direct you to a place. So a sign points to a place, to an event. And what is the sign of his return? Well, the signs he gave us point to the day that Jesus literally appears in the sky. He returns. You remember when he was talking to his disciples right before he reascended to God? He gave them some instructions, and then it says, in their sight, he just ascended and disappeared into the clouds. And then an angel said to the disciples, why are you staring at the clouds? In the same way he ascended, he will one day again descend. He will return. Now, when Jesus was asked, what are the signs of your return? He responded with several general signs. And I want you to notice as I read these, these are sort of signs in nature. These are natural signs that we would call in our news today, acts of God. But they are natural signs in nature. Listen to what he said. He said, you're gonna see earthquakes, famines, diseases, pestilences, false Christ, false prophets, all appearing. Now here's the key. He said, it's gonna be like a woman in labor pains. Now, how does a woman go into labor pains? She, the pains start, she's great with child. The pains start and they grow greater and greater in intensity and frequency until finally the child is born. Now, Jesus didn't say these are death pains. He said, the signs I'm giving you are labor pains. And what is the child that's going to be born when these signs are completed? The beautiful new kingdom of God will be born, will be birthed into the world where Jesus Christ rules the world, okay? So he said, we've always had earthquakes, always had diseases, always had false Christs and prophets and deception. But he said, as my return draws near, they're going to appear and they're going to happen with increased frequency and intensity. They're going to be multiplied. They're going to be stronger than normal, more intensified. You're gonna see earthquakes, but major earthquakes. You're gonna see pestilences, but worldwide. You're gonna see deception on a grand scale. It's gonna happen squared. So that's the message of the general signs. But then Jesus brought up two men. He brought up Noah and he brought up Abraham's nephew, Lot. Isn't it interesting that right in the middle of all these signs, he brought up these two men. And here's what he said. As it was in the days of Noah, it's going to be that way in the world when I return. And as it was in the days of Lot, it's going to be that way in the world 
when I return. Now, who did he say that to? Well, he said it to his disciples, but watch this. He prophesied of things both near and far, soon and much later. The temple being destroyed happened just a few decades later. But Jesus, the prophet, was, was staring down the tunnel of time and he was looking into our day, the day when he would return. And he said, I'm gonna give you some signs that'll point to my return, some signs that'll let you know that it is near even at the doors. And Jesus, the prophet, never missed, ever. Now, I remember last week, if you were here, we talked about the days of Noah. Well, if our time is gonna be like Noah's time, then what did Noah's time look like? Well, quick summary, in Noah's day, there was widespread apostasy. That means that a lot of people were departing from the truth, from the faith, from their walk with God, and were going off to live in the flesh, and really they just abandoned their walk, apostasy. He said, you're gonna see that before I return. There was extreme wickedness in Noah's day. Not just normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill wickedness, but extreme wickedness, where it says that the wickedness of men reached up into the nostrils of God and resounded through the throne room of heaven. It was so wicked that God said, I'm gonna have to judge the world. There was pervasive violence in the days of Noah. The Bible says in Genesis 6, the earth in Noah's day was filled with violence. It was overwhelmed with violence. It was industrial strength violence. It was violence everywhere. Violence on a grand scale. Now, I know this isn't good news, except Jesus said, when you see all these things happening, get excited and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. So... The reason I'm sharing messages like this is so that when you hear the news or read the news or see what's happening in our world, you don't panic, you don't get upset, you don't get depressed because God has everything under control and the Lord Jesus told us what to look for and that lets me know he's got it. And then the last thing, in Noah's time, there was universal apathy toward God and his call to repent. Universal apathy. Noah preached for 120 years to his generation. He stood up there, he hammered and built that ark every day and he preached righteousness to his generation, warning them that judgment was coming and not one convert walked into the ark with him. That's amazing to me. That's a hard heart. That's a dull heart. That is a heart, that is a conscience that can no longer be convicted. Jesus said, now, now I'm not saying by quoting that, that we're not gonna see great harvest in the last days, we are. But he's letting us know, cultures and nations and peoples and ethnicities are going to experience an increasingly hardened heart. Jesus said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. We're told that men will be without natural affection in the last days. Mothers won't love their children naturally. Spouses won't love each other naturally. People won't love people naturally. That natural affection that God planted in human beings will be seared by the abounding iniquity because iniquity always extinguishes love. Now, what about Lot's day? If that's what Noah's day looked like, and so we can know that that's what we're gonna be seeing in this day and time, what about Lot's day? What did Lot's day look like? Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, like we did 
with Noah, we go to Genesis for the answer about Lot. Let me give you a quick little biographical sketch on Lot. Lot, who was he? Well, he was the nephew of the great patriarch Abraham. And when God called Abraham out of his hometown, called Ur, you are Ur of the Chaldees, it says Lot went with him. The Bible says, then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. They traveled all that way. Abraham went all that way, and Lot went with him. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I wanna share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in. Or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. Now, the Bible tells a problem arose as they were traveling, especially when once they arrived in Canaan. Here's the problem. Both men had so increased in riches, cattle, herds, servants, children, The riches and their wealth had so increased that Lot's herdsmen were fighting with Abraham's herdsmen and Abraham and Lot were kind of locking horns and there was a lot of friction there. So Abraham offered a solution. He said to Lot, he said, now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me, Lot. If you take the left, I'll take the right. And if you go to the right, I'll take the left. And you know what you see there? You see the graciousness of Abraham. See, unity between brethren was so important to him that he said, you know what, Lot? If you take the best of the best, if you take the best out there, I'll let you have it rather than there being friction between you and me. I wonder how often we would do that, what we would sacrifice for unity. Because Abraham was willing to sacrifice Lot taking the best. He said, you go for it, nephew. You take what you want. The graciousness of Abraham. Abraham's a picture of the church there. We ought to, that's why the Bible says that we should strive, that we should struggle, we should fight to keep the unity of the faith in the bond of peace. Now, really, it should have been Lot saying to Uncle Abraham, you take what you want. God called you out of Ur of the Chaldees, not me. I'm just tagging along. But Abraham let him do it. Now, what Lot did next is, I believe, the reason why Jesus spoke about him. The Bible says that Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice, he looked, he saw, his eyes fell on the land that was surrounding Sodom and Gomorrah. 
The Bible tells us the land surrounding those wicked cities was lush, beautiful, envious, and Lot looked at it, and Lot was thinking, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. He was thinking money. He had cattle, he had herds, he had all these things, and he was thinking, that's the best land for me to release my cattle in and my herds and let them grow. What beautiful property. So, gee, Uncle Abe, if you don't mind, I'd like to take the pick of the crop. And Abraham said, you go for it, son. And he did it. Now, you should know today that though the land surrounding Sodom and Gomorrah was beautiful and to be envied and just luscious and rich, you should know that the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were corrupt. They were very wicked. And the prophet Ezekiel describes Sodom like this. He says in chapter 16, verse 49, look, says Ezekiel, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. So he's about to list some sins of Sodom. Here we go. She and her daughter had pride. They had fullness of food. They had abundance of idleness. And neither did they strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. Now that's what Sodom did wrong. So catch this now, Sodom was prosperous, had all they could ask for. As a matter of fact, they were so rich, they could afford to be idle. So they began to sit at home. They didn't have to go to work all the time. They didn't have to punch a clock. They didn't do eight to five, nine to five, whatever. They could be idle. They were so rich, so wealthy, so full of provision that they could afford to kick back and get lazy. They were very proud of their prosperity. Riches did not bring them closer to God. Riches made them turn to riches rather than God. On top of that, having so much, they looked at the poor who had nothing and said, huh, don't care. I'm totally insensitive to the needs of the poor and the needy. They could have had a, a, a real feeding ministry, but they didn't. They didn't give to the poor, they didn't care. And so they were selfish, self-centered, narcissistic. It was all about me and mine instead of you and yours. It was all about me, their world was me, my needs, what I want, my extravagance, my luxury. Now, I gotta go where the Bible goes here. We're living in a day of, some call it a culture war. It's really a spiritual war. And there is a great controversy out there right now about whether or not homosexuality is a sin, whether or not it really does is something that God has called wrong. And there is an incredible brainwashing going on about this. So I'm called to minister the word, not to tickle ears. I've got to tell you the truth. Because where else are you going to get the truth? You turn on the TV, oh, there's nothing wrong with it. If you say something's wrong with it, you're a hater, you're a bigot, you're a hypocrite, you're this, you're that, the other. But let me tell you, a lot of the defenders of homosexuality today point to these verses in Ezekiel. I've heard them do it. And they say, see, Sodom wasn't judged for homosexuality. Ezekiel listed what they were judged for. They were judged for being selfish, proud, and lazy. But they ignore the very next verse. Listen to verse 50. And, everybody say and. And, and means God's not done with the list. <laughs> That's what it means. And. So it says, and they committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. 
You know what God's doing right there? He's calling homosexuality an abomination. Now, homosexuality is not the only sexual sin at all. Why is it an issue today? It's been made an issue. Do you know that all the years I preached, I could probably count on two hands the number of times I really preached about this issue because it really wasn't an issue, but it's been made an issue. And what concerns me is now it's getting into our schools, elementary schools, even as low as kindergarten, and children are being taught contrary to the word of God. Am I a hater if I say this? No, I'm just quoting the book. That's it. I love everyone. Everyone has a sin. Everyone has an inclination towards sin. There's not a single person in here that is not tempted at one time or another to walk in fornication, which is a sexual sin. Sexual sin, there's many different sexual sins. Now, since you were born that way, you were born with a desire for a sexual union because that desire is rising up in you. Does that mean you're supposed to live in it? You're supposed to practice it? No, sex has a context. Don't shout me down. (laughs) The context is marriage. Now, the singles out there that love the Lord, if they say, well, you know what, because I'm feeling the urge to merge, (laughs) then I'm just gonna walk it out. No, God says, deny yourself, crucify yourself, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and wait for the right context for sex. So because they say, I'm born this way, well, even if they were, that doesn't mean you then go live it out. Every sexual desire is subject to the will of God. I know this is not a popular message, but it doesn't make me a hater. And if you think I'm a hater for saying it, you have been brainwashed. You have. Well, shouldn't we just love everybody? If somebody I know is doing something that's destroying their life, I don't love them if I don't say something. It's like a doctor saying, you know, I do x-rays and I find cancer, but we don't talk about cancer around here. (laughs) Follow me, church. This is very logical. What Jesus is literally saying is one of the signs that's going to mark the soon return of Christ is widespread, socially sanctioned homosexuality, because that's what had happened in Sodom. Sodom had been totally overtaken by this sin. Now, it could have been overtaken by anything, theft, murder, anything, but it just so happens Sodom was overtaken by this one. Let God be true and every man a liar. And you know, no telling how many people in here are tempted towards that or maybe struggling with that. And what good am I doing you if I get up here and and never address it and never say anything about it and let you go on in your own struggle Doesn't it help to hear, I'm on God's side if I'm resisting this? Now, there's another sign. There's another sign from Lot's story that gives us a clue to what the last days are gonna be like. Are you ready? As it was in the days of Lot, well, there'll be widespread, socially sanctioned sexual perversion. What else? It'll be a time of great testing for the righteous. Now watch this. Jesus warned in his prophetic discourse on the last days, here's what he said. False Christ and false prophets will rise and show great wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect, and that's you. 
So Jesus is predicting that in the last days, it's going to be a time of great testing for the righteous, for those who know the Lord. And we see this by what happened to Lot. Because remember, Lot had been hanging around with walking for years with the most godly man on earth. God's friend, God's chosen servant, Abraham. He had been around a man of faith, the father of our faith. So he understood faith. He understood a, a walk with God. He understood character. He understood morality. But Lot had a fatal flaw. Thanks for tuning in today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 877-884-3111. You can also connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. It's no secret that our country has had some extreme challenges over the last year or two. People have been going through depression, isolation, emotional pains, disillusionment, and more, and are looking for something to grab a hold of for security. Well, the answer is not in something, it's someone, Jesus Christ. And that's what this program is all about. So here's how you can help us get this message out. Being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. And we believe that these messages with Pastor Jeff are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 877-884-3111 or at our website, hardwired.org. 877-884-3111 or go to hardwired.org. Thank you for your very generous gifts. God bless and thanks for listening to Hardwired.